0: Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly, Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Dave Jenkinson continues our series of messages on the book of Acts. Today, looking at Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. And now, here's Dave. Now, I'm, I'm a bit perplexed, so somebody maybe can help me out. I understand that when you're in distress, you call... Mayday, Day, May Day, May Day. So, May the 1st is May Day. Does that mean it's a distressful time? Because there's another May Day where they do a celebration around a tree. And I believe that's also part of May Day. So, I'm a bit confused. So, if anyone has the answer to those questions, I would really appreciate um, finding out. And if you say, I read it on the internet so it's got to be true. So uh, just, just let me know if you, if you have the answer to those ones. Let's just look to the Lord further by praying and asking him to open up this passage in front of us today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the joy that we share in the knowledge that you are here amongst us. That your word is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And we thank you, Lord, that your word is both gentle and loving, and yet corrective and disciplining. And we thank you that you are the God of all the ages, and you reign. And so we pray, Lord, that your presence may be amongst us this day, and that as we hear your word, our ears may be open. As the Lord Jesus himself said, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so We ask your Holy Spirit to come amongst us and teach us and let us see Jesus and we give you thanks in his name. Amen. The chapter that we have in front of us, this is the second in a series on acts. And uh, it's not the acts that you would use to split a log. It's the action of the early church and more principally, the Holy Spirit working through the apostles. Uh, My Bible says the acts of the apostles, but I'm sure any one of those apostles would say, no, 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 it wasn't us. It was him that was doing the work. And that's the way it is with us as we walk through life. Uh, You may do something. Um, Let my let my small devotion, my small effort be a, a sacrifice of praise you you do that you you do an, an act of kindness an act of love you say lord that's just a, another offering of praise to you and um, so it's it's not we but he it's not us but him and so uh, the church is to be a reflection of the lord jesus we've already had a very good introduction by the our dear brother jim as we learned that I've been everywhere, man, oh, and uh, we uh, we enjoyed that, that uh, rendition that he gave. Jim, thank you. I, I've been practicing as well, and I didn't get beyond the first phrase. But nevertheless, um, we're, we're going to discover that Paul took seriously, as did all the apostles, go out into all the world. No stone was left unturned, and that was their desire. So as they move forward... Um, he reminded them in verse eight, as was reminded last week, that you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There's a fourfold um, uh, ripple effect that the gospel has, as that the stone, the Lord Jesus, is dropped into the pond, Jerusalem, on that cross. It springs out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And Acts is actually a very good example of that. As we were reminded last week, without Acts, you really would have a hard time going from John to Romans, or from Luke to Romans. The Gospels end with the Lord Jesus going up into heaven, and Acts is that bridging point. Some have said that Acts takes about 33 years of the early church. Which is kind of cool because Jesus was on the earth for 33 years as well. So we have the second 33 years taking place in this account. I call it a gospel. It doesn't read as a gospel in the true sense. But, but it really is because it's written by Luke who wrote the gospel of Luke. So um, it, uh, it has a lot of emphasis on the gospel. But it also has an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And uh, if you're going to witness, make sure you're witnessing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because everything else falls flat. J.B. Phillips pointed out that there's no period in human history, no, no, no period, where a small body of ordinary people so moved the world that their enemies could say, they have turned the world upside down. And this is amazing because we sometimes think when we read these accounts that some of these people were not sophisticated. they were just you know I mean this is like the first century they got to be really you know um, you know back there they didn't have cell phones, for example, you know and so we automatically in our mind, it's just a natural thing. we all do it. We in our mind look at these people and say they were unsophisticates. They were they were just not really uh, knowledgeable. And they weren't. And, they, and, you know, there were no engineers among them. Well, of course there were. There were no doctors. Of course there were. Luke was a doctor. So there were, they had a great knowledge. These were no fools. Let us never assume that those who penned the word of God were foolish, ignorant, superstitious has-beens that were trying to make a name for themselves. No, they were intellectually wise. Paul says that he had the talent and gifts. And he says, I'm not going to boast, but I'm going to say that, you know, I, I could speak several different languages. I had more languages than most of you. He was a, he's profoundly wise. who You know, he penned. Under the inspiration of the Word of, of, of the Lord God, the Spirit, 1 Corinthians thirteen, and that has been profound. You know the the whole love chapter. Uh, the, the you know love suffers long, it bears long, it, it's patient, it endures. I mean, these are these are passages that have been quoted for years. These men and women were bright, articulate, smart, and methodical. Luke says that. He, he compiled this from the day that he both Jews began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he had, the Holy Spirit had given commandment to the apostles whom he had chosen. By the way, it's really interesting. It's the apostles whom he had chosen. A good friend of mine who used to come up here, he said that there are many went ones and few sent ones. And if you're going to do the work of God, you have to be sent under the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no such thing as someone going out as a missionary and saying, well, I just chose to do that. That's my job. I I had a a discussion with uh, a young university grad one time. They were in a program, a chaplaincy program in the prison. And I said to them, so how is it that you got into this problem? Oh, I just, I, I really like working with people. And I, I kind of love the, the idea that I can use psychology and sociology and, and work in this kind of a program. I said, well, what do you think about the word of God? Oh, it's, it's myth. It's just fabrication. It helps some people, I guess. That was what he said. And I thought to myself, and we have Bibles that we give to prisoners. and We have this gentleman who would be telling them that it's myth. Thy word is truth. That's Jesus' statement. That's not my statement. That's Jesus. If you have an argument with the word of God, you better take it up with the God of this universe. Because he says, my word is truth. He doesn't just say the New Testament. He also says it in the Old Testament several times. And we can depend upon God's word. When you read it, you believe it, and that settles it. And this book, Acts is a great way to understand God's word. And so as we look at it, we have men of Galilee's, why do you stand gazing up? In verses um, 10. They watched the Lord Jesus go up into heaven. And they were, they were just enamored with this. This is, this is so cool. We're watching Jesus as he rises. In our Bible study, that was a really neat moment as we watched on the visual Bible. Um, it, it, as Jesus just uh, so slowly lifts up into the sky and then there's a bit of a wisp of a cloud and then he just disappears through the cloud. You go, and then these two white men in white appear. They say, why are you gazing up? You've got a job to do. He told you to go. And he told you to go to Jerusalem and wait. So let's get with it. You know, We too have a job to do. And there's a time for rest, but there is also a time to go. And so they have... They returned to Jerusalem, verse 12, from the Mount of Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. When they'd entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is the upper room prayer meeting. First division. They start with prayer. How much is prayer important in your life? In my life, I have a friend who called me at 8:30 this morning from down south, and he wanted to pray with me. Prayer is very important in his life, and he manifests the compassion of Jesus in so doing. Sometimes when we say We're going to pray for you. You know, you're just talking to somebody and they say, I got this problem. And you're discussing it with them and you're being that helpful person that lends the ear. And they say, well, would you, you know, do you think you could pray for me? Oh, yeah, we'll be praying for you. And we walk away. Why not take the moment next time to say, sure, let's do it right now. Let's take that moment to pray right here, right now. Uh, we can find a little spot in the corner. We can find some other place. We can pray with you because we are to be a house of prayer. Isn't that what Jesus said about the temple? He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we should be a house of prayer. So let's not wait when your buddy or your friend or your or your uncle or your aunt or your cousin says, Um, Yeah, I got a prayer request. And you you say, okay, I'll pray for you. And and that's all that comes from your lips. Take a moment. Be a house of prayer like they did. They came and uh, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Someone has said, if you don't have an upper room, all you have is a lower, discouraged, depressed face. We need to, each one of us, have a time of Celebration and a time of worship and a time with Jesus in that upper upper room. Uh, I was reminded that this message I gave this message on uh, in the month of May in uh, uh, a few years ago now it was uh, 2013 I think it was or something like oh no it was even longer than that and. Uh, uh, we when we gave that message, oh yeah, it was 20, 27 years ago, because <laughs> I gave an illustration about my daughter, who was five at the time, and she was learning how to drive the bike. And as she was learning how to drive the bike, she was wobbling all over the place, and we said, no, the, don't look down, don't look at your hands, look straight ahead, and you'll do fine. And she's been doing fine ever since, I might add. <laughs> not just driving the bike, but driving the car and driving life. But the key, again, is looking straight ahead or looking up, but not looking down and not looking at yourself. We can get so preoccupied with self that all you're going to get is discouraged. But when you gaze in the upper room at Jesus, you're always going to be encouraged. They were all continually with one accord in prayer and supplication, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They were all praying together. And it says that that um, even Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there, and his brothers. That's so cool. In John 7, we find that his brothers did not believe in Jesus. It's right there in that first verses of John 7. They say, ah, come on down. You know, Nobody who really wants to be the prophet of his day it sticks up here. You know, we gotta go down to, to, to Jerusalem. That's where the action is. Ever feel that way about Northern Ontario? No action in Northern Ontario. It's all down in Toronto. You know, they got the Blue Jays, they got the Raptors, they got the Lees. I'm a great believer, but, but the North has called us. And the North has called you. And God has called you to the North to serve Him. And we need people who are willing to be voices in the wilderness and hearts of love and compassion. It says they were all together. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Why Peter? Why not the brothers? I mean, they'd been with Jesus all that time. They had seen him grow up. Surely they should have been the ones in leadership. You see, the funny thing about the word of God is God's in charge of the writing. And I'm sure if it was you or I or some of the others today, we would have said, "What? Before Pentecost, Luke is deciding to write about a, a leadership meeting. Like, and they're discussing who's going to be leading this group. Come on, let's get some excitement here. Let's get going with the church. Let's have the, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit section in John, in Acts chapter two. Let's let's see them seeing miracles and." No, he talks about what is really an issue. As go the shepherds, so go the sheep. The church can never advance further than those who are leading the family of God. And it's so, this passage talks about leadership, but it also talks about leadership replacement. Do you notice that? Judas had died. We don't have to go into all the details. Suffice to say that his... His death was a fulfillment of Scripture. Go figure. Would you have been there and thinking to yourself, this fulfills Psalm 69, 25. Let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it. Would you have thought of that? And would you have thought of Psalm 109, verse 8? Let another one take his office as applying right here, right now. Well, Peter, under the power of the Holy Spirit, Gets it. You see, that's the beauty of prophecy. Unless you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, you're not going to understand when it is actually happening and that verse is applicable to right here and right now. I've heard so many so-called prophets. I label them as the false prophet people. They're constantly issuing proclamations. This is going to happen. That is going to happen. And they get millions of followers and millions of people to come to them. But the prophecies don't happen and the strange part about it is the followers are still with them. Makes me wonder when the word of God is clear that if a prophet predicts something which does not happen, then you are to call them a false prophet, and literally they were to according to the Deuteronomy, they were to stone them. That's not practiced today, of course. Probably wouldn't be allowed in law anyways. But uh, the fact is, people don't seem to understand that the truth of test of God's word in a person is that it comes to pass. So he describes what had happened to Judas. And then he goes on to say in verses 21 to the end of the chapter, here's some things we want to look at. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us, All the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day when he was taken up from us, verse 21 and 22, to the day that he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they're replacing Judas, the apostle, the false apostle, with another individual. So there would be uh, 12 apostles. Why was that necessary? Well, Jesus himself had predicted that there would be 12 which would sit on the thrones judging Israel. And we know that there was always 12 tribes. And we have Israel, who was formerly Jacob, who had 12 sons. So it's rather significant that Jesus has 12 apostles. And it's almost like there's a parallelism going on here. And he's saying we're starting something that is family, but it's family And it's gonna go out, this message is gonna go out, it's gonna be so profound because my blood, like that sacrificial lamb, is even more powerful because it's forever. So for one one sacrifice in all time, Hebrews says, Jesus died for one sacrifice that we might live. Some people today listen to the words, but it never gets beyond the head. It doesn't get into the heart. I did that for many years myself. Not that I didn't want to get it into the heart. I just couldn't. If you're in that condition today, do not give up. I'm here to say God is patient. And if you have a thick skull and a hard heart, and Jesus is still not there and you know it, just remember this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And as you call upon him... He will answer your call if it is truly a call of repentance. Because without repentance, there is no genuine salvation. There can be no God if there is no Lord. And if he does come in, he comes in who he is as Lord and God. And so as he looks to to replace this one, who was, uh, ever think about that? Judas. Three and... Uh, he, what? A few months' time with with Jesus, he was with the incarnate. He saw miracles. He he lived amongst the disciples. He was one of those who went out and saw miracles. How can a person do all that and still reject Jesus? In your power for living, if those of you have have gotten one, there's a really interesting story written by Danny Summers, A Dream Not Forgotten. And as this uh, story unfolds, it talks about an individual who does some very nasty things in a church setting to others. And this was a professing Christian. How can this happen, that Judas could be amongst the people the disciples and be totally camouflaged. Simply this acting is not just done by Hollywood, it's done by all of us. And sometimes the acting is so powerful that you are convinced that that person is a genuine believer and a genuine brother. And like Judas, fake news. But he says, let the dwelling place be desolate they propose of these men who have accompanied us there's some qualifications first of all the first qualification is men now you'd think Mary would've been the one that would have been designated she was the closest to Jesus some people would have said that think it was his brothers but no it was a person a man the word is an heir, by the way it's not the humanity side the mankind side word it's the word for men from the who have accompanied us to the time the Lord Jesus went in and out amongst us so you'd have to have staying power that's one thing about the word of God It's very clear you don't select someone who just shows up for leadership positions They have to have staying power. They have to show that they are prepared to serve, just as this individual was showing it. Beginning from the baptism of John, they were baptized in the waters of repentance. And they were a witness of his resurrection. Oh, the importance of the resurrection. So important. Why? Because the Jewish community, the scribes and the Pharisees of the day were saying to the people, this guy disciples have stolen the body. They really they really just hid the body. We don't know where they hid it, but that's why you can't find the body. that's why the tomb is empty. And it's being said today and they, every so many decades a new theory comes out. Oh, he was in the, the 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 sepulchre, he was in the tomb for three days and it was the swoon theory was big in one time. He had swooned and and he was he just Recovered from this very nasty, uh, nasty crucifixion. Uh, you don't recover from crucifixions; you die. That's the whole point. And those soldiers knew death. They knew how to execute. These were not just phony soldiers; they really were there. And if you see the uh, some of the studies that have been done into that by medical professionals, even science. Journals had the articles published on that topic. He really did die. But he came alive. And the truth is, he lives in our hearts today. You and I can experience his life. I hope, I hope you're experiencing his life. We sang a hymn. We sang a hymn that talked about the uh, low in a rock, I see. And uh, I want to read you a little portion from, again, our Power for Living. Did you get the message? I'm kind of promoting that. (laughs) Um, I caught my breath, this back page. I caught my breath and grinned. There poking from the vertical crevice was a tiny spring of green and three scrawny stems and on them three perfect yellow flowers. Where are they? They're in the Grand Canyon. And as they were looking around, thinking to themselves, Uh, I don't see anything that can survive here. All of a sudden they saw this plant with three flowers growing out of the side of the rock. I almost laughed. These three little flowers growing thousands of feet up the hard rock over one of the most amazing views in the world. No home could be more inhospitable. No condition more difficult. No view more breathtaking. And I wondered if sometimes life in Christ could be like that too. Sometimes the ground we live in seems hard and unyielding Just as a rock. Is that your life right now? Well, just wait. The flower that's coming out of your life will bloom if you allow the Lord Jesus to take your circumstance and bring about the joy of the Lord. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is a rock eternal. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. And so at the end of this, this passage, we find them, the disciples pursuing this with proposing two, Joseph called Barsabbas, named Justus and Matthias. And they prayed and said, O Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take part in the ministry and the apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his place. And they cast lots, and the lots fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. They cast lots. That means that you and I, in the New Testament, could be called to do the same. Now, that doesn't just say that this is the only way to make decisions. It certainly isn't. And in fact, it would not, be, it would not make sense for uh, Paul, when he writes to Timothy, and gives a complete chapter on the the deacons and the elders in Timothy it wouldn't make sense if he didn't give those qualifications that there wasn't some scrutiny involved back a few years ago leadership here was an issue as well there were people that needed to be asked to become elders and they were considering what role they would they would fit in as elders at BFA. We didn't cast lots, but we did study the passages in front of us, the making of a man. We studied biblical eldership. We studied uh, all of the different topics. And eventually, the current board of elders and deacons came about. And it's been a, a moving thing since those days but let's remember that it is God's choice to choose a leader it's not mine it's not yours it's God's it's his leadership it's his shepherds they cast lots the lot fell on Matthias you would say to me well wasn't Paul shouldn't he have been that that apostle he calls himself an apostle. He always had a bit of a tenuous relationship. I call Paul the 13th apostle. It really is interesting that as you look at the life of Jacob, his son Joseph had two children born of a Gentile woman who was the priest priest's daughter of Egypt. And they were Manasseh and Ephraim. And they became a tribe, so... Well, actually, they became the half-tribes. But really, when it came right down to it, they had as many as the rest. So, you know, there were actually 13 tribes most of the time in the, in Israel. And I like to think that maybe Paul, as an apostle, was the 13th because he was an apostle to the Gentiles. But that's just my own thoughts, and, and I'm sure you have thoughts on that topic too. The question that I would leave us with by way of conclusion is this. We've had a very... Interesting look at the experience of the early disciples as they seek to replace Judas. We've had a look at what they did beforehand. They prayed. So the question is, how much is prayer a part of our lives? Is it something that we just breathe in and out and pray? I hope so. And as we work with the Lord, he guides us into our ministries for him. You see, he's chose, you have chosen him to take part in a ministry, in a service. The word ministry just means service. It means you're working on behalf of others. It's a pleasure to serve. That's what we should be able to say. It's a pleasure to serve. And the service is to take place on, among all of us to one another and to those who are without. But in a particular way, there are leaders. And in the early church, the 12 apostles were the first leaders of the early church. Remember, there was only one physical church at that time. There was no church of Ephesus. There was no church in Antioch. There was no church in Thessalonica. These churches came about as a result of what you're going to see described in the pages of Acts. There was one church, and it was the church of Jerusalem, and that church has had explosive growth And we're going to discover as we move along that growth creates its own issues. So we pray for revival. We pray for growth. But remember, growth has its own challenges, too. So let us let us close by saying this. As we move forward in our lives for Jesus, are you willing to let the word of God dictate you and I? have a calling to serve. We have a calling to minister, but we have to be called according to the Word of God. It's as simple as that. And as we see Scripture, let us then take the principles of Scripture, the direct commands of Scripture, that's the precepts, and the practices of the early church, those three Ps, and then form the pattern for our own lives before Jesus. We're grateful, Father, for the work that you are doing in your church. And we thank you that we can be part of it. We thank you that you have uh, led us and directed us to gather together today to worship and to express these thoughts. We pray that you would help us to go forward and based on that foundation of yourself, we pray that we might serve and continue to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.